0: Welcome in. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue, joined as always by Sean Fitz, our second edition of this first week of May. Happy to be with you. We've got a lot to get to. First off, we're going to get to a breaking news report uh, from Steve Wiltfong, who always seems to have them uh, for us on 24-7 Sports. Sean, uh, some some light shed on the Tommy Stevens situation. We've kind of been in a waiting uh, pattern here since it was revealed he's leaving Penn State in terms of destination, Mississippi State, uh, to no surprise prize is a school that has been on the radar with the Moorhead correlation, but a couple other schools will be getting visits this week. Tommy Stevens, a busy week, going to Mississippi State. Then there's Miami of Ohio, and then there's a Big Ten school, Illinois. Again, Steve Wolfong reporting these are the three official visits uh, Tommy Stevens embarking on as he looks for his second college stop, and with that I'll pass it over to you, Sean, because certainly something to react to here. Certainly
1: something to react to. I'm not sure it's what our listeners want to hear right now. I think they're over the Tommy Stevens stuff, but uh, a couple of these places makes sense Miami Ohio looking for a quarterback he's got some connections with with guys on the staff that he knew from a long time ago Illinois will take anybody to get better and they're not afraid to take transfers they certainly have gone that route under Lovey Smith and they're going to continue to get there I'm not sure which direction that program is heading but obviously nowhere to go but up there and Mississippi State is the obvious choice in my opinion I think I said that a couple of weeks ago, so I don't think it's any surprise that he's going to go down there right now would be surprised if he didn't end up there. But at the same time, I mean, Joe Moorhead probably is going to give him the same line that James Franklin gave him in that, Hey, there's going to be a competition. I can't just give somebody the starting job that hasn't been here and hasn't, you know, uh, found the culture and been around the guys and everything like that. So it's going to be a really interesting to see how he reacts to these places. Cause I, I'm not sure he's going to walk in and someone's going to say, okay, you're the starter. You're the guy. So, Um, it's, uh, for Tommy, I guess it's, it's just checking out these next couple of places, finding the best available fit where he can play right away, where he can be the guy right away. And is that one of those schools? I don't know. I'm thinking Mississippi state because it makes the most sense. He knows the offense. He knows Joe really well. So, um, that, that would be my pick right now, but I guess we'll, we'll see where it finds out. But for right now, I mean, you're, you're looking for this podcast, Sean Clifford's your guy. So I guess we'll, (laughs) we'll stay away from the Tommy (laughs) stuff for now, but, uh, that's, that's what we're feeling.
0: Yeah, two weeks removed from the uh, from from the initial breaking news that Tommy Stevens was departing the program. Uh, there's just an update for you as well. Uh, of course, when the decision is made, uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. And, and no, Illinois is not on the schedule this year for Penn State. I know Sean tweeted that out because. Uh, people were wondering that and so if you're expecting a potential uh, reunion between Penn State and Tommy Stevens may have to wait until a bowl game Uh, we'll see as the process continues Um, some interesting news of note on campus Sean um, it's been a you know a a, a subject of conversation for a while um, as Penn State looks to you know continue to to push the envelope and become a top tier program and and do everything that is entailed with that you know a coach is going to have a list of things he wants to accomplish facilities or something that are mentioned Uh, look Penn State's going to get some upgrades the estimated 69 million dollar multi-phase renovations this is going to directly affect the Lash outdoor practice fields. Uh, the project will include leveling the grass fields. Uh, they're going to be eliminating the slope that exists there, uh, providing a full rotation of natural turf. So they have a, a plan for the practice fields. They have a plan for Haluba Hall renovations, the indoor facilities. Uh, that's going to include spectator amenities. Um, and, and really, this is a, a building in Haluba Hall that was opened in 1986. Um, and, and since the first Lash Bash renovation project was announced in January 2015 15, a total of $28.1 million has been raised uh, for the fund to finance upgrades. Uh, James Franklin reacted to this. Sandy Barber reacted to this. Obviously, uh, both of them saying this is a step forward for the athletic department, for the football program, of course. Sean, very curious to, to hear your reaction. You've been covering this program much longer than I have, and I know, you know facilities upgrades for every college football program are going to be something at the top of the priority list, and, and I know that's been the case here.
1: I think if you've been listening very closely to James Franklin, he may Mentioned this once or twice, but no, that's been an ongoing thing since he arrived in 2014. Is these these things were not up to snuff when you're talking about competing with the top programs nationally, and and you you've seen some of that stuff. I mean, it's just uh, the, and you can talk about the flash, and you can talk about the uh, you know, how much of this stuff is really necessary. But when you're trying to compete on a level playing field with Clemson and Alabama, and of course Oregon's always mentioned in this conversation as well. Ohio State's done some things. I mean, it's just right now. It's just keeping up. I mean, this is a, a big, uh, I guess, commitment for the the donors or whatever to, to to make this happen. And a lot of lash has already been worked on. The first floor has gotten some some upgrades. The players' lounge, the meeting rooms, and things like that. But it's a big building. There's still a lot of stuff to do, and they're going to do that over the next couple of years. Which uh, is, is and truly, truthfully, it's overdue. Um, when you when I you know I go out and I've seen some of these guys, uh, some of these facilities in person, and it's just. When you walk into Penn State, it's an old feeling, and not not a good old feeling. Not a it's not an antique like sort of priceless type feeling. It's a far behind type feeling. So just uh, you know stacking up against the other, and that's the the, the teams are trying to recruit against now. It's is the Clemson's, the Alabama's, Ohio States, and Notre Dame has done some nice things, and 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 beyond that, I mean Northwestern's done some really nice things. Minnesota's done some really nice things. There's a similar program going, or a similar. Um, fundraising effort and program going on at Rutgers right now in Syracuse so it's it's everybody that's doing this thing and Penn State's just trying to keep up for the most part don't think they're going to be on the cutting edge of any type of 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 sort of renovations that really break the mold or anything like that but they're, they're going to do their best to keep up and I think the way that James Franklin's been fighting this over the last couple of years you know he wants to take it to that next level he wants to to be that cutting edge but I think he's realized He's got to take care of the legwork first and see what happens because it's it's all going to be cyclical. You're going to get to the end of these renovations and you're going to need more renovations. So it's uh, it's it's crazy to think about when you talk about the the amount of money that's pumped into this. But it's it's something where you go everywhere in the country. There's there's people out there, and I'm certainly not one of those that are writing the checks and not going to be one of those that are writing the checks. But there's there, there are programs out there that they've shown the commitment to winning. Penn State behind in that regard right now.
0: Yeah, facilities are, are a big piece of this puzzle, and 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 it's a it's a large puzzle though because we're talking about an arms race across college football, and and you know you look at the coaches' salaries, the the sweet new deal that Dabo Sweeney just secured down at Clemson. Uh, the facilities you mentioned, Northwestern, just beautiful lakefront facilities for them. Uh, and then, you know, the assistant coaches, that's another another part of this thing that, that James Franklin, you know, if you, if you listen closely, as you said, that's something that's going to always pop up in, in terms of Penn State competing with the big dogs and and trying to make sure that part of the top tier of college football, that, that doesn't let guys leave for lateral jobs because they have pay raises and that doesn't let their facilities, you know, slip too far behind other programs. Uh, it's all about continued to We're well aware of how much Penn State football brings into the university compared, uh, you know, other athletic endeavors that the the university partakes in. And that's not unique to to Penn State University. It goes on at a lot of other schools uh, where football is so important and and that investment's going to need to be made. And and, and that ranges everything from making sure that, you know, people who, who visit your facilities talk about how nice it looked when they were there for a few hours. Instead of saying, hey, everything looked a little bit dilapidated, you know, certainly didn't live up to what we saw on the other campus. And then it also goes for ponying up the money when, when your assistant coach gets a call to leave for another campus and being able to, to match what him and his family needs. And, again, there's a lot that goes into here, and it is not a cheap endeavor. And, you know, if, if, if things go according to plan and, and Franklin has the success that he wants at Penn State, you know, there'll be another contract extension that needs to be discussed. And like I said, and like you said, uh, you know, it, it just, it goes on and on. There's always something that's going to need to be uh, attended to. And, and the facilities here, I think in a lot of people's opinion, is a really good place to start. And, and they're going to sink their teeth into this in 2019. A lot of this renovation expected to be complete this year. We're We're far beyond the, is it right to
1: spend your money here type of phase? It's not, that's not the situation anymore. It's, it's, you know, how much do you want to win? How much do you want to compete with, with everyone else? And I mean, look at Texas A&M. I mean, you, it's funny to see the, the viewpoint of Texas A&M all around the country, because we think of it, you know, Texas and Texas A&M is two of the biggest programs in Texas. And, and honestly, you know, growing up, i, I found Texas to be the bigger program. Well, that alumni base does not want to hear that. And they've spent and they've done everything that they need to do to, to take themselves to the next level to, to beat Texas. And now Penn state is not going to deal with that with, with Pitt or temple or anybody like that in state. But I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to, to look at the amount of money that's pumped into it. Is it right? I mean, we're far beyond that discussion. This is not amateur athletics we're talking about anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about, but it's just going to keep going in that direction. Um, you know you you, you see the, the the places with the best facilities have one and that's not a coincidence it's not it's not a fail state you know it's not a it's not something that that is absolute an absolute but it
0: really really helps. And here's a quote uh, from James Franklin that was part of this press release put out by Penn State. Uh, Franklin says quote to sustain and strengthen our successes, we need to keep investing to give our students and staff all the tools they need for us to win at the very highest level on and off the field. End quote. And of course, the end game here is wins, and uh, all part of the effort. We'll see how it turns out for Penn State uh, facilities uh, upgrade upcoming, as we said. Uh, We'll have you posted on that as things continue online 24 7. Uh, Now, Sean, a busy week uh, for recruiting. Um, Obviously, uh, we're going to see a lot of that spring evaluation resulting in offers. We saw it, new offers in the 2020, 2021, 2022, and even the 2023 classes Um, all over the place. it's, It's insane. There's a lot of, of of years to know there's a lot of uh schools to know in different regions of the country and and uh, a lot of these kids we may never talk about again uh, but we're gonna have a full rundown of these latest offers online 24 7 this weekend so I, I encourage you if you want to dig into that a little more we'll have the details on some of these kids uh but but one guy that that has been offered for a while, and and and, w- and visited this past weekend was Kevon Lee, uh, Sean, and he's a guy who, by way of Florida, and whenever we get these Florida kids on campus, uh, it's always you know, especially now with Cider and everybody knows what he's about. Definitely gets your 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 senses, spidey senses, going because you wonder does Penn State have something brewing again down there.
1: Well, it's it's
0: funny because
1: you look at Kevon Lee and you look at where he comes from and his background. He was committed to Florida for a while. Of course, he opened up. Um, his recruitment, but you just you think that Penn State, based on their history, pre cider that they have no shot here. and that's you know, that's warranted. Yeah. Uh, when you throw cider into the mix, as you saw last year with with John Dunmore and a few other guys, Noah Kane, it kind of goes out the window. So uh, to get Kevon Lee on here, which I think Penn State fans will love, he's about 6'2", 225, 230, your quintessential Big Ten back um, if you're going to go in that uh, that stereotyping way. Uh, he's a good one. He's uh, number 81 overall in the 24-7 sports composite and number 54 all, overall by 24-7 sports. Big kid, can run strong. I, I mean, I think he's he, he runs a little high at times. But at the same time, he's he's a really really good prospect. Florida and LSU are the, the the main competition right now. I think LSU is probably the school that got him to open up from from his Florida commitment. So. We'll see what happens there, but Cider has been in his ear for more than a few weeks. He's convinced him to come up for a visit. Uh, unfortunately, the weather not great last weekend, but you'll you'll have that in Central Pennsylvania. Uh, but uh, no, he said he was amazed by the visit. Really got a good feel for those things, and I think the key for a guy like Kevon Lee to get him on campus for for the first time, and you know you you have to to, to gauge where you're at with a kid in terms of, Hey, if I don't get this kid on campus in April, I'm probably not going to get him on campus at all. We saw that last, you saw that with Dunmore last year actually in June. Um, but you have to gauge where you're standing with, with kids like that. And they decided to bring him in, do his thing early. And the key for him is going to be, I think, getting back for an unofficial visit. He's going to check out these other schools. He goes up to Florida all the time. So it's not, uh, not anything crazy there, but to get him back for an unofficial visit and get him, I um, I guess, Maybe more in, in line with some of the, the top targets that Penn State's had on campus. So we'll see where this goes. It's going to be about Lee getting back to campus. It's going to be about Cider doing his thing. And if you look across the board at Penn State, running back, you're not feeling too great about things right now. Of course, that, that trio of Marshawn Lloyd, Jalen Berger, and, and Chris Tyree, that's tough to say. Um, right now, but uh, they think they're going to get Lloyd back on for a visit uh, this summer, but he really hasn't shown that kind of interest in the northern schools. Uh, I think Georgia leads his crystal ball right now, so Running back up in the air, so it would not shock, and and this is the thing I keep going back to on the boards, it would not shock me to see them go to to Florida for a running back, to go to Florida for a a receiver, maybe defensive end where they're struggling up in the Northeast, and and pull a guy like that and see what happens. So if you're looking at where Penn State's going to get its return from the Sunshine State, probably going to be one of those three positions
0: and just like Lee uh, last year John Dunmore a former Florida Gators commit and to your point about getting one of these kids on campus you know especially earlier in the process I think Noah Kane is the perfect example he made the an unofficial last April with his father and he said he more so did it because of his history with Cider and Cider said you know what do you have to lose come up here essentially Check it out, and and if you don't like it, then don't come back. And he ended up being, you know, ex- exceeding the expectations during that trip. His parents came back up for the last pass. We know how it ended up turning out with Noah Kane being on the team now. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it, it takes the 48 hours on campus and maybe not ensure a commitment, but ensure that you are – already planning that next trip, so we'll see where it leads uh, for them. Uh, Another notable running back, a year younger though, in 2021, he seems to be the definitive name to know in that 2021 cycle so far. He was the first running back to get an offer all the way uh, last blue-white game in 2018, Evan Pryor out of North Carolina. We've talked about this in the past. His sister is a sophomore student at Penn State, so there's always a reason for the family to be making the trip back up, and he will be back on campus uh, first time since Midwinter, um, he'll be on campus uh, this upcoming weekend. Yeah, he's been he actually been on
1: campus more than a lot of in-state guys. So uh, Evan Pryor, I think it's pretty clear he's a top target early. Went out to Oregon, enjoyed his time out there. Went out to Arizona State, enjoyed the West Coast and things like that. But to get him back on campus is good, and, and this is not. I don't think it's a true visit in the sense that he's coming up just to check out Penn State. Obviously, his sister, you know, with the the semester ending and everything, probably going to move some things home and things like that. But uh, to get him on campus for a sustained amount of time, to get the coaches back, uh, depending on which coaches are back from the road for this weekend, to get him in front of him again is, is, is very good. So um, uh, no downside to this one. I mean, you're going to keep having Pryor come back on campus. I forget which semester his— sisters and that's not any of my business, but, uh, yeah, to keep getting him back on campus is going to be something that they're going to do. And, you know, he told me a couple of weeks ago, he'd be back this summer. So, uh, does that mean he's back in June again? I would not be surprised.
0: Yeah. If I'm not mistaken here, I believe she is, uh, you know, two more, two more years at Penn state at least. So, you know, they they may cross paths go. they may not but again there's always going to be a reason for him even if it's just to get up there and, and and carry some clothes out of her out of the apartment or whatever it's nice to have a brother who's a who happens to be a four star football player will be player. there with a box yeah. <laughs> will be there with a box helping don't don't worry about that yeah and then also worth noting his uh, his high school teammate Mario Love Jr picked up a Penn State offer visited a couple months ago so they got a couple sophomores they're keeping an eye down there uh, in North Carolina and, and additionally at, at running back we mentioned there was a ton of offers we're not gonna go down that list but one that stood out uh, another running back in the 2021 class and another kid out of North Carolina Sean Will Shipley um, who is the number one all-purpose back in in the 247 sports rankings for the 2021 class he's listed 44th overall and him and Evan Pryor considered the top 2021 prospects in North Carolina again this is an offer that that just went out and I think the past 18 hours or so, uh, but a uh, it, it continued theme of 2021 uh, target board getting hammered hard. We're seeing Penn State uh, blow that thing up in a hurry, and, and and here's a name to know: a guy who's very highly rated and highly evaluated by our scouts here at 247.
1: Yeah, he can move. He can move, and I think it's more it, it it's not so much the you know a, establishing your your top tier of targets or anything like that, but you're trying to stay in it with 2021 guys already, which is kind of fascinating when you think about you know, how how far away they are from signing, but that, you know, anymore, you're just throwing offers out. I mean, this is, offers are just interest anymore. I mean, it, you, you can talk about the, you know, you, you want to rate a kid by offers or anything that's, that's becoming more and more meaningless every day. I mean, Penn State's got what, 250 offers out in the 2020 class, and that was 225 last year. So you're just throwing these things out like candy. And You'd like to say your offer means more than everyone else, but I mean LSU's offered 275 guys, Bama's offered 250 guys, so it's it's crazy to think about. But this is these are just sort of hey, keep us in mind type things because you're you're not really seeing guys jump on offers anymore unless they do unless they're offered when they're on campus, which is a, kind of a different sort of setup. So when these coaches go out on the road for the spring evaluation period, they get four weeks, they go out and they check things out, they they go to the coach and ask where he's at in his recruitment all of a sudden you're throwing out an offer just just because just to stay in it so um yeah i'm not saying that's exactly what happens here but this is a kid that's blowing up georgia's offered recently uh, a couple of big 10 offers in there notre dame offered at the end of april as well so i mean it's uh it's one of those things where you're just trying to keep up and stay into the stay into the mix of things
0: and playing right off of that sean the countdown is on we are are now down to 31 months until we find out where Ty Simpson is going to sign with a college football program of his choice, A kid Ty Simpson though is the first 2022 quarterback to pick up a Penn State offer that happened on Monday they are not alone he entered his first season at the high school level down at Westview High School in in Martin Tennessee uh, with several power five offers Michigan was actually the first team to offer him way back in uh, March of 2018 when he was still in eighth grade again this is a kid who's going to be a sophomore this uh, this season and he is the first quarterback that Penn State has offered at 2021. He actually had more interceptions than touchdowns as a freshman. His team was 2-8, and eight, but college football recruiting is fun to follow, and this is one of those stories you see a kid with more offers than varsity touchdown passes. And uh, Ty Simpson, the first name to know, the first of many, I would assume, and uh, this is, uh, to Sean's point, one of those things where you, you put a name on the board right now and we'll see where it is uh, a year or two down the line.
1: Well, I mean, not, not only that, but Penn State offered their first 2023 prospect this uh, this week, kid down in Fort Lauderdale. So he's got his eighth-grade huddle highlights up if you want to check those out. But he'll be a freshman this year, Brandon Innes, um, in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, that's just crazy to think about 2023. And I, I think I've said that about every class over the last, you know, I've been doing this since 2006. So I was thinking about the 2010 class at that point, but we're coming up uh, on your son's,
0: your son's classes is is coming up now. I think. Yeah. How
1: about it? How about it? Yeah. James hasn't, hasn't sent that offer this way yet, but, uh, no, I, I think it's really interesting. I think quarterback recruitment uh, in general is really interesting. With Kyle McCord going off the board, of course, the the four star from Saint Joseph's Prep in Philly uh, went to Ohio or committed to Ohio State earlier this week, which not exactly a surprise. Been trending that way for a long time. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Mar- Marvin Harris and his teammate, joined him. But it's one of those things where. You're looking at quarterback and Penn State's 2020 quarterback recruiting essentially in the bag. Uh, Micah Bowens is is on, uh, excuse me, is on the commitment list after visiting just once. Of course, came back for the spring game. So check things out and all, uh, everything seems good there. Uh, but it's it's fascinating when you look at the, how many quarterbacks transfer. You're always going to have to look at the possibility of bringing in a second guy. They did that last year with Taquan Roberson and and Michael Johnson Jr. But you're also going to have to look ahead. In that 2021 class, they've established some top targets. The guy that i keep going back to the guy that i love is caleb williams and this is uh i, I i've been saying it from the start i saw caleb williams i saw kyle mccord side by side at camp um at, at penn state's team camp last year and caleb williams just kind of blew him out of the water. So I uh, really love what Caleb Williams brings into it. George is there. Alabama's there. Clemson eventually will be there. They don't want to offer quarterbacks this early. Uh, Penn State is there right now. Um, they got to get him back on campus, which they, they expect to do so early this summer. Uh, we'll, we'll see what comes from that. But if you're looking at where Penn State has maybe – come up a little short it's finding that elite guy they've, they've recruited some really good quarterbacks and i like what they have in the room right now and of course you know levis was a guy that that they kind of broke late after the, the the justin fields thing they like what they have in the room right now they kind of uh, they kind of lack that elite prospect excuse me um that they haven't had for for a long time so it'll be interesting to see what what goes this way because i think Caleb williams could could end up being the top quarterback in 2021
0: Sean Clifford uh, pretty easily is the is the guy in that quarterback room in 2019 who who had the the most established reputation as a recruit and the rankings and the ratings and and everything that went into that with elite 11 um, he's really the highest rated guy since since you go back to Hackenberg. I, things worked out pretty good for three-star Trace McSorley but uh, I do wonder with a two quarterback class we talked about this before how much has this become more part of the fabric of college football recruiting just something that we we get a little bit more used to because here at Penn State you know a five-year period Period between 2014 when you signed Michael O'Connor and Trace McSorley to 2019 when it's Roberson and Johnson. It's a long time where you, you, you stick with one QB classes, but the transfer trend is difficult to ignore. The last thing you want to do is have a room that, that you know, is more is, is balanced equally with walk-ons and scholarships, or where you're veering toward the point where you have more walk-ons than scholarships at certain schools. Um, it, it'll be interesting. But staying on the quarterback, uh, a, a thing to address there with Michael Bowens is he was a, a big-time riser. Sean uh, composite recruiting rankings—they're always uh, an, an evolving thing because uh, different media outlets in the industry are going to come out with their new rankings at different points in the year. As we always say. You know, just wait for the final rankings before you pass judgment. Uh, There's, you know, last year we saw uh, Lance Dixon climb tremendously. The year before, Justin Shorter was one of the biggest climbers in college football, and and Micah um, Micah Bowens, I should say, uh, climbs about 400 spots. Sean in the update. Now he's he's still considered a high three star, but I believe he went from uh, you know number 25, number six dual threat quarterback to number 14 dual threat quarterback and a couple other risers, but he's the guy we'll start with coming off a really strong junior year at Bishop Gorman and a commitment in February to Penn State.
1: Well, I feel like the, I feel like that I have the need, the need to explain this, is a lot of people don't understand what the composite takes into account, and ESPN came out with their ESPN 300 and a bunch of their rankings earlier this week, so that Im- influences the composite rankings. So he moved up 364 spots in the composite just based off of being in the top 300 for for ESPN. But yeah, it's a it's it's one of those things where we talk about this all the time. that the evaluations now. I mean, this is not even the end of the spring evaluation period. Then you're going to get into the camp season. Then you've got senior film and things like that. So A lot of evaluating to be done. Bowens is a guy, you know, he lacks ideal size. Let's call it what it is. He's listed at six foot. He's probably not there. Uh, really good arm, really good athleticism. Five, uh, excuse me, a four-five-four four, uh, forty. That's uh, uh, on a Nike Laser. So that's a pretty good start from there. Um, but yeah, he's got the potential to be a really good college quarterback, and and we've seen it in this, uh, you know, in this game these days. It doesn't really matter if you're six foot five eleven. You can you can make plays. You can make things happen. So they're excited about Bowens. Of course, they're going to try and follow him up in twenty twenty one is with with a potential real big fish. But I mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, the way things are going. You, we mentioned Grant Tutant was a guy that uh, moved up in the as to to a four star in the twenty four seven sports composite. Cole Brevard also moved up a lot of spots in that uh, in the composite. So that's going
0: to continue to sort of ebb and flow as we move through camp season, and and, and it is what it is. Yep, and Brevard and uh, and Tutank both up uh, more than 40 spots, and as you said, uh, Tutank now into four-star range. And uh, One quick note on Bowens, uh, he's a guy who has been in, in, in steady communication, which is, I think, important. You always wonder if the quarterback is an engaged member of the class. They need to be, um, and I can tell you, speaking with Penn State commits the last couple of weeks, especially in person on the camp circuit, he's a name that comes up a lot in terms of communicating and that's important a guy that's all the way down in Vegas we know we know, he made it a point to get back for the blue-white game uh, but you want your quarterback actively engaged and uh, we'll see where it goes because uh, as we spoke about last week I had a conversation with Jacoby Briswell who is a top 10 dual threat quarterback in the 2020 class out of Arkansas guy with a bunch of Power 5 offers. Penn State is not one of them. That may eventually change, though. Ricky Ronnie, he says, has been in steady communication, uh, maybe coming down to to watch him throw in person and thinks that could lead to an offer. Uh, So as we talked about, the the case may not be closed just yet at quarterback for the 2020 cycle. Uh, We'll see where things continue to go there. Uh, Sticking with 2020 class, Sean, um, we're going to end it with Nick Dawkins, who I had a chance to speak with, and we'll wrap it up following that interview. Um, Before we get into that, any final thoughts as we head into this first weekend of May.
1: Not particularly. Uh, two two episodes in three days, I think, is enough. Uh, a couple of Pen- uh, Pennsylvania offers went out on Thursday. Imhotep, safety, uh, Javon McIntyre, and 2022 tight end, Inai White. Uh, both guys have been on campus before, and I've, McIntyre's a guy that's kind of blown up in the last month or so. All three of those guys, at uh, the 2021 guys at Imo have been tweeting about them a bunch because they kind of keep me in the loop on their offers, which is great. Um, but uh, McIntyre's a guy that's a very athletic guy. He's got legit size. Uh, just over six foot, he's about six one. Um, can can play, uh, I guess, both safety spots. Really athletic kid, and then White, a Nye White, former basketball player. Um, so going to continue to grow. He's going to be a tight end or a defensive end. Right now, I kind of like him as a defensive end, but uh, I, I prefer your impact guys be at that position anyway. So. Uh, those two offers in Pennsylvania, another offer in South Jersey. Jalen Cheek, he was a standout at camp last year at the Whiteout Camp at Beaver Stadium. So to see him get an offer, you know, gives you an idea what they think of him. Um, the, I think he was listed as a wide receiver originally, going to be a corner, about six foot and a half, six one. So he's got the the length to do that there. And then they're they're all over the place: Florida, California, North Carolina, Georgia, all over the place with offers right now. As as we spoke earlier, that's less about uh, you know less about their evaluation, more about staying in the game with a lot of these uh, elite guys out there.
0: On the most recent episode of this podcast, we spent a lot of time breaking down the offensive line group that is coming together for Penn State in the 2020 class. Five players on board now, four of them committing in April alone, and one of them is on with us right now. Nick Dawkins, Parkland High School, a Pennsylvania kid from Allentown, and he committed on Monday while on campus. We're going to talk about that with Nick. He's got a really strong uh, family athletic background that I think a lot of people are already aware of, and we'll discuss that as well. But Nick, first and foremost, congratulations to you on making your decision, and also a, a hearty welcome to you uh, onto the Lions 24-7 podcast.
2: Thank you. you know, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Um, absolutely. Well, I'd love to, you know, I read Brian Doan's uh, story on your commitment and, and kind of what you experienced that it's up on our, our site, lines 24 seven. But I'd like to hear, you know, from your own voice, you were up there with mom, if I'm not mistaken, your mother, yes, Jan- your mother Janice was on campus. Um, you know, did you go, you know, get in the car that day thinking you were going to end up at home and as a Nittany Lion commit? Or was it something that progressively felt like the right move as the day went on?
2: I mean, so I, I had strong, like I when I, I had talked to um, one of my former teammates, uh, Jahan Wirth, who's at Duquesne now, and I talked with my mom the night before, and I was thinking if I want to commit, I want to do it in person. So we we were talking, and one thing that my teammate said to me, he said, "Go to a place that can turn your potential into a monster you want to become." And I thought about it, and I'm like, "Well, that would be home. That would be Penn State." So when we got in the car, I'm like, "Yep, I'm gonna com- I'm gonna commit today." So we went through all we went through like the whole campus tour and all of, like the itinerary, and then you know we talked with uh, Coach Franklin. Got in a meeting, and I-, I told him, I said, "This is the place for me. This is where I want to be at. This is home." And he he was like, "I just want to make sure you're committing, right?" I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> yes, I am." So it it was great. Just you know, seeing everyone's expressions and being able to tell them face to face that you know I'm going to be an indie Lion.
0: Do you almost get the sense that your commitment came earlier than the staff was expecting? Then
2: I think so. I know a lot of people thought I was um, going to commit to Northwestern or um, Rutgers or a school like that. I, 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 don't, I don't really think they were expecting it, <laughs> but I mean I, I'm glad that they accepted you know my commitment and that I'll be a part of I'll be a part of the squad.
0: Now, Nick, it sounds to me like that offer made a huge difference in your recruitment because it was, I think, almost exactly one month from when you got the offer to when you committed. What was your viewpoint a month ago, the day before Penn State offered versus what it became?
2: So originally I was going to commit in like June or July. I was going to commit then. And I was really like looking at schools. I was really like leaning towards the Rutgers because that's like the first school to ever start recruiting me. Then talking to Northwestern, really leaning there because um, I knew they were going to offer me when I got on campus. And, um, like, just got to Penn State just for, like, um, you know, just to visit because, you know, it's a it's hometown team. So I, I wasn't really expecting an offer when I first visited. And so we just went through the campus. I'm like, wow, you know, this place is amazing. You know, it's great. And then they offered me, and I was like, whoa, like, this this switched up everything. So now, now I have the opportunity to, to play at home. lot of my family's alumni from Penn State, like my teachers, you know, everyone in my community, you know, we have Valley is basically like little happy valley. That's what it is. So everyone here is has a lot of Penn State connections and ties and loves them. So um, I'm like real I could really um really go like be at home, have my family be able to see me and and play big 10 football. That really made a difference on my decision making. And you know, on Easter we, we sat in my house and watched the Unrivaled series, if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. And we were just watching it like, yeah, like, I could really see myself in that. So it was, I, I think that's just what did it for me, just seeing all the coaches in action and see, just seeing how, like, my community reacted once I got the offer and my family. So that it definitely changed up everything because I was probably going to play for, like, Northwestern or Rutgers.
0: Which is interesting to note because you would have ended up in Beaver Stadium, but you would have been on the visitor sidelines a couple of times. Yeah, so uh, that is interesting. Now, you mentioned, I guess that's a new family tradition uh, on Easter, watching watching the Unrivaled DVDs <laughs> or videos, I guess, now, and, and you'll yeah. be on them someday. You've got the Penn State Visor right now. This is a podcast, so people can't <laughs> see that. But you mentioned Little Happy Valley, you know, family, friends, teachers. Did you grow up, like, was Saturday for you, like, who's Penn State playing? I'm going to watch.
2: So my grandfather's a super fan. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, So my first college football game that I ever, like, went into attendance was a Penn State game. Um uh, I think they played Air Force or, or Buffalo or something like that. And that was the first, like, taste of, like, Happy Valley. And I, I remember my grandmother tells me that I called my dad and told him, I'm going to live here. So don't worry about me. Like, I, I'm just going to live here. So, I mean, I always watch games. I always caught games because that's, that's just what we do around here. We always watch Penn State games. So I always tu- I was always tuned in. You know, I always had my Penn State stuff in my closet. But just, like, just it's unreal now getting that offer and being able – like, I went to the Iowa game on October 27th, and I think they it, it went into, like, a triple overtime or, like, something like that. And just the whole crowd going insane. That was just that, – that really did it for me.
0: Well, you'll be in front of that crowd playing soon, I know. And I'm curious now that you are a part of this class, what's your focus? I mean, you you seem like someone who's very comfortable talking about your passion, comfortable talking about your feelings about Penn State. Oftentimes, coaching staffs will lean on vocal leaders like that to help build the class and, you know, get on the phone with other guys, you know, be the one on campus that kind of makes them feel part of the family. Is that a role that that you feel like you're going to fill for this 2020 class?
2: I mean, I I want to for sure. I mean, I'm the only Penn State or Pennsylvania commit right now. So all the big in-state guys, Fleming, uh, Carmody, like all like um, Zariah Fisher, you know, all those guys, like I want to make sure, you know, they're in the blue and white repping the home team. That's one thing I want for sure. I want, you know, all the guys that that should be in in Penn State should be playing in the blue and white, you know, black shoes, you know, I, I hope. That's what I want to do. I want to get everyone right so we can go win a national championship.
0: Well, you mentioned Carmody. He was at Ohio State recently. Julian Fleming, you mentioned. He's been to Alabama and Clemson lately. What is your sales pitch? Because it seems like, you know, those are the kind of guys who are going to continue to explore their options. Could go a lot later in the process than, than you. What's your sales pitch on, on representing Pennsylvania?
2: You know where home is. as all. You know where home is at. Pennsylvania.
0: Now I want to I want to shift the focus a little bit. I think a lot of people are familiar um, with you even before the Penn State commitment because you know you're the son of Daryl Dawkins, who who you know if, if you follow NBA, he's a name that's come up. You know I'm told you before we got on here, my father made sure that I knew who your father was and what he did on the court. Growing up a Sixers fan myself, did you grow up with that pressure? And that's a, that's probably the wrong word, but was it like you better figure out a way to be an athletic force yourself or? Or is this something that, you know, kind of just came upon you naturally? And was basketball ever a big focus for you?
2: I mean, absolutely not. My dad, he wanted me just to be great at whatever I did. And he never pressured me. He, in fact, he did, I don't even really think he wanted me to play basketball just because if you look at kids like Michael Jordan's kid and all, all those kind of guys, they're, those kids are pressured and filled with expectations to play basketball and be great, just like their fathers. So for me, football, you know, that's just carving a different route for me and my family. Um I mean, like I'm related to um, Deion Dawkins. He's the tackle for the Bills. Um, Johnny Dawkins, head coach for UCF men's uh, basketball. Um, Andre, he played at Duke. Um, Brian Dawkins, your, your Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame safety. So it, we we have a lot of like athletes in my family, and it kind of just sorted itself out genetically wise. That you know I was gonna be able to do something because I think I, just being around sports, being around the NBA and all that. I, I always wanted just to play. I don't like. I don't like watching sports as much as I. I want to participate, man. Even like elementary school, I was that kid who tried hard in gym class because that's just how like competitive I was. And just any sport It could be badminton. I played lacrosse, like anything. So just with all like athletic genes that I was handed, it felt that it had to sort itself of out that I'd be an athlete in some kind of sport.
0: That was like the coolest family name drop I've ever heard. That, that list <laughs> you just went down. That was so cool. Like, I have to, and you just mentioned the com- competitive nature of you. The, everybody on that list is competitive. So I'd imagine uh, family reunions, I, I don't know. Whenever you get together <laughs> and, and you're competing at anything, ping pong, I don't know, must be pretty intense. And, and I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of this, but your father was a trailblazer. You know, not not in the sense that he wore the logo of the Portland Trailblazers, but (laughs) that he was the first player to make that leap from high school to the NBA. It had been done in the ABA by Moses Malone. Your dad was the first. And and obviously we got familiar with names like Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. I mean, that that is really cool. Your father's now been gone for a few years. I know you lost him when you were 13. But what is it about his legacy? What are certain aspects of it that you hold near dear to your heart every
2: day? I mean, just my dad was a loving family man. You know, he did he did what was right. I never heard a bad story about my dad ever. Maybe from Maurice Lucas when they thought, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, man, even Stephen A. Smith had nothing bad <laughs> nothing bad to say about my dad. So, you know, he was just a great guy, and that's from everyone. That didn't just go outside of the house. That was inside my house, too. So to see that he, he always did what was right, he you know, he was great and made people laugh, which is a big thing that happened on me. I love to make people laugh and just – the way he treated people with respect and how they should be treated made a big impact on my life and that that's big for me like I'm real big on my family i mean like right now we, we were just i was just with my mom watching videos the Nittany nation videos <laughs> so we best is we like to get down as family just do do everything as a family and it just the family aspect my dad brought into us and i don't know just his love his loving nature and just larger than life figure
0: we we can't spend so much time talking about your father <laughs> without mentioning your mother, who who obviously yes, has, has carried on a, as a parent here for you, and and was right there in the room when you committed uh, to the college. She's clearly on the bandwagon, uh, judging by the <laughs> the amount of. They're gonna need to make new uh, unrivaled videos just so you guys can have more to watch soon. Um, <laughs> what is it like, uh, you know, being able to make that commitment announcement with her, you know, a, a couple feet away from you?
2: That's real big. I know she was pro Penn State. She loved Coach Franklin, and now that I'll be I being able to talk to him and tell him in his face that you know I'm coming to Penn State, and you know it just I'm I'm happy that she's happy. She'll be able to see me. It's only like a three-hour ride, two and a half-hour ride, as opposed to a two and a half-hour plane ticket, which is real big for my family. So. It's just great, you know, seeing that my whole family, my mom, happy that you know I'm I'm choosing the right place.
0: We've spent about 12 minutes talking about you, the person, the family man, the motivated 16-year-old. Love it. Let's talk football, if you don't mind. Why were all these teams offering you scholarships? Why did Penn State want you so badly? Give me the self-scouting report. What does Nick Dawkins bring to the football field?
2: Just from hearing from a lot of people, a lot of potential. Of course, that runs in genetics, but I think from my size and my age. I'm a pretty athletic guy off the line. I play the game angry. I'm motivated. Just, you know, put whoever is in front of me, just football the only sport you can legally kick someone's butt for, like, 60 minutes. And just taking someone, taking, like, a 250-pound individual in front of me against his will and putting him in the ground, that just just motivates me amazingly, like, just greatly. And I I love to, you know, just hit people. So being able to have good technique because, you know, uh, my offensive line coach had um, college, co- college um, coaching experience, so he taught me great technique, Coach Sawyer, and just being able to um, watch a lot of film, break down film, and know, you know, what who I'm against and what they're capable of and how to how to approach them, blockings like with blocking schemes and being, you know, in the playbook and knowing what we're doing. I think um, just my technique and my size and athleticism and my, my potential to grow and get stronger and bigger. So I think that's what a lot of coaches saw just a lot of potential.
0: You sound like somebody who really studies up and you want to be able to counter defensive ends. And is that where you feel like between now and when you get to campus and you're still a little ways off now? Is that where your biggest growth is going to be? Kind of putting things together fundamentally and mentally?
2: I mean, the jump from high school to college, Big Ten football, that's an amazing jump. So, you know, I have to know what I'm getting myself into. That means, you know, long days, writing papers and then getting in, watching film, understanding what I need to do to get better on a daily basis. So that's one thing I'm really focusing on now and, like, changing around to, to build, a, like, a better habit is, you know, reading my scouting reports, watching more film. Even now, watching film in the offseason, just see what the team might come out in, how to approach it, and what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, how to counter that. And, like, it's the Big Ten. You I mean, you can watch as much film. You know, guys will, you will be physical but, physical, but if you have the right technique, and you do what you need to do, it will get the job done. So I'm just, you know, trying to perfect and craft, you know, my technique to its peak. I mean, as I will right now, because I know Coach but uh, he'll really he'll help me out make me the best football player I can be. So just trying to get the little things done now uh, with the help um, of Coach Langrover and um, with, you know, the whole staff, I can become the best football player I can be
0: how quickly do you kind of mesh and become friends with, with the other guys who are in this class? There are eight guys committed before you. The tricky part here is you mentioned, it's not like everybody's right around you know Pennsylvania. You've got guys in Florida, you've got a quarterback in Las Vegas, a, a yeah. few kids in Maryland. Uh, how does it come together for you? How quickly were you kind of embraced and how quickly are you going after guys who are not committed yet?
2: Five minutes after I committed, I got put into the group chat and just been talking ever since. I mean, one thing, we we us linemen, we really like the chocolate melt from the creamery so just talk with everything everybody's great talk with micah i cannot wait to protect him protect my qb and then the athletic guys like curtis like it's actually and wingo man derrick is it's crazy i like just watching like their highlights and seeing you know how how much potential and how athletically gifted they are and like i, I talk um which I'm friends with, Caden Wallace, and just seeing him, I was on a visit when I first met him, and he's a great dude, we've been talking ever since, so all the guys, you know, they were really welcoming, and they're just really good people, and I, I like that, that's the culture that, that's around Penn State, and like with other guys that are prospects of us, I think they understand that too, that, you know, we, we're all welcoming, we, you know, we all love where we're going to school, where we're going to be going to school at, and I mean, I, I've been I, like the day I, the day I committed, I was already messaging guys um, that you know we, we we need them. You know, they're our guys.
0: We're an offensive line friendly podcast. You're on. We've had Kane and Wallace on not too long ago, and then most recently um, Grant Tutant on. I'm curious. You sound like you've done your research on, on your on your future teammates. Anything stand out? You think there's similar traits when you look at your film and the other three offensive linemen in this class?
2: When I, I watch everyone's film. They really stun people when they when they just hit up like when they pull or get to the next level. They get that pop, and the linebackers stunned and these to throw them into the dirt. And I love that everyone's no one's lacking aggressiveness. That's one thing. Just everyone is they play the game angry, which is a good thing. And everyone they like a lot of finishing block. Everyone finishes people and getting to the next level, which is big, and and staying low. That just is great. Everyone is has you know upsides, and there's not there's more upsides than downsides. Leave
0: you with this question, Nick. Um, again, we have talked a lot about football, a lot about family. I'm curious, you know, day to day, what are some of your passions that do not involve athletics, that do not involve competition? And, and in addition to that, do you have any idea what you might pursue academically once you get up to state college?
2: I mean, yes, sir. I mean, I'm in the Palace Club, which is um, assisting kids with special needs. I have a sister Tabitha who has Down syndrome, so that's one thing I take pride in. I'm in the fellowship of Christian athletes, which. I know you said not competitive, but, you know, it's still a little competitive. We do our little games and all that. And, you know, just being a student athlete, just getting all my work done, getting done when easy to get done. I mean, that's, you know, that's stuff I take pride in for sure. I mean, my life, you know, of course, my life evolves around sports, but there's always stuff, you know, just to hang out with friends and just kick back. I mean, I do. But uh, like we have a, a Pennsylvania State Powerlifting Championship tomorrow, actually. So, you know, we're excited all about that. And I just, you know, all I, I do is throw shot put two track and field. So it's just like some other extracurricular activities. And uh, when I get to State College, I, I want to major in business management because, you know, I, I want to maybe work in, like, as a director of player personnel or maybe even like a scout or just work with business and sports because so I've been with sports my whole entire life and why well, stop now after college. So I definitely want to work within um, like sports management, business management, sports and business.
0: Sounds like you are really busy off the field and really impressive to hear about the work you're doing with your sister. Um, hats off to you for that. And uh, thank you for thank being you. on with the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hopefully it won't be the last time. I'm sure we'll be speaking and, and you'll be at camps and all that different stuff along the way and look forward to following your journey, uh, you know, not just in Allentown at Parkland High School as a senior, but you now when you get up here and begin your college career.
2: Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: And I have a feeling after that conversation, Penn State fans are are further excited about getting Nick Dawkins on campus as a Nittany Lion in 2020. Uh, We'll continue to cover his recruitment and his uh, high school experience as he heads towards a senior year with his 2020 class. That's going to do it for our latest edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, Thanks to Sean Fitz, as always. I'm Tyler Donahue, wishing you all a tremendous weekend. We'll be back with another episode early next week. Talk to you then.